Why, hello there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Have a Good One. I am your host, Samuel, and today we're going to be, uh, we're going to be going on a trip down through memory lane. If y'all remember, or if y'all were here around the time, or if you've just, you know, listened to it, my very first episode on Have a Good One was talking about uh, the Greek gods, and so, in light of the events of basically the fact that, well, my other intended projects would take a little bit longer for me to, uh, to do than the time that I actually had to do them, I decided, hey, let's do, let's do a bit of a callback. I'm gonna do a bit of a callback going all the way, but instead of Greek gods, we're going to be talking about Egyptian gods this time. Woo! Yay! Yeah, you probably don't really know that much about Egyptian mythology, because, uh, well, a lot of pop culture stuff hasn't really looked at Egyptian mythology that much, but... I'm actually a huge fan of Egyptian mythology. It's actually one of my favorite mythologies out there. I love it. It's great. It's great. Um, but it, yeah, it's not as popular as, say, Greek mythology, which has basically become so ingrained into our cultural zeitgeist that, you know, everybody knows who Zeus is or Hercules or Poseidon. Heck, the Bible actually references Hades multiple times over, which leads to a lot of comparisons. And as for Norse mythology, well, obviously Norse mythology was made much more popular with Marvel Comics, making one of their main characters a Norse god. So let's talk about the Egyptian gods a little bit. Why don't we? Now, I will say part of the reason why... Egyptian mythology isn't really as well known is because th it's kind of complicated just because there's just a lot of different interpretations to the mythologies and the reason behind that is because you know the Egyptian empire at its height lasted for like what like 3,000 5,000 years it lasted way longer than like the ancient Greek or Norse stories. And therefore, as any civilization that's lasted for thousands of years would be able to tell you, perspectives on certain stories change drastically over time. So, I found this uh, ancient history lists, and I found this article that looks at the top 10 most worshipped ancient Egyptian gods and goddesses. So, I'm going to be reading through this, and then afterwards I'm going to be providing my own personal list of favourite Egyptian gods. So let's get into it, alright? So, I'm going to go from number 10 to number 1, because I reckon that makes things a bit interesting. So... First off, number 10, we have Geb, who is the god of Earth. Most well known as the god of Earth. Uh, he could also be considered a father of snakes. And it is believed that in ancient Egypt that Geb's laughter caused earthquakes and he allowed crops to grow. So... I, look, Father of Snakes makes him sound like a bad dude. He wasn't a bad dude, alright? Uh, he represented crops and healing. Uh, he also had a goose on his head, so uh, make it that what you will. I was going to say that that's a good thing, but geese can be pretty friggin' crazy sometimes. This bearded god was believed to have caused earthquakes whenever he laughed. Oh yeah, just as I said before. He was the son of Shu, who is the god of air, and Tefnut the goddess of moisture. Yes, they did have a goddess of moisture. And Geb had an important role in the Book of the Dead as the one who actually weighs the heart of the dead in the Judgment Hall of Osiris. 
the ancient Egyptians believed that he retained the souls of the wicked. So, okay, so that's one interpretation of this whole thing. Now, in case you don't know, the Egyptian afterlife was a little bit complicated. Basically, the whole mummification process, such as embalming the body with certain spices, with 11 herbs and spices, and then wrapping them into individually wrapped packaging, um, same-time delivery, was actually part of the uh, belief that, like, all of this stuff was, like, essential for the person to be able to make it through to the afterlife. The idea is that the person goes on, like, this huge epic journey through the underworld, to eventually reach the halls of Osiris, who is the god of the underworld. And I guess you could best think of him as being the Egyptian equivalent of Hades. Uh, but the thing is, in Egyptian mythology, death was a much less feared concept. Um, which is why Osiris is generally depicted as being a rather benevolent god. But yeah, he was basically the judge of the dead, and when they, when a person enters the Hall of Osiris, you had, um, you had, uh, Thoth, the god of, like, knowledge and writings and that kind of stuff, um, get out, he would look through, like, all of the details of the, of, uh, the person's life, and the person would have their heart weighed on the scales, on, uh, I think they called the scales of Mart. And it would get weighed, uh, next to the Feather of Truth, also known as Mart. And I believe the deal was, if the feather was heavier than the person's heart, then that meant that the person lived a mostly good life, um, and they could go to eternal paradise. Um, but if the heart was heavier than the feather, then it meant the person lived a wicked life, and their soul would get eaten by a moot, I think the name was, which was this scary combination of, like, a crocodile, lion, and hippo, and the sole purpose that that thing had was to eat souls. Um... Oh, yeah, and Thoth, uh, recorded the results. And Anubis was the one, uh, that had the scales. Uh... Yeah, I think, I think that was how it goes. Um... Yeah, so, obviously, these guys found that Geb actually, uh, weighed the heart. I know in some versions, Anubis is the one that did that. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. The thing is, actually, fun, fun fact, um, Geb's father, Shu, the god of air, did not approve of, uh, Geb and Nut. Uh, Geb's wife, the goddess of the sky, from being married. And I think it was actually partly because Geb and Nut were sisters, but, you know, that's besides the point. So, Shu kind of is the heir, and is kind of the one responsible for keeping the sky and land and earth away from each other. He's like the ultimate cock blocker. Anyway. Although, you can't really blame him due to the fact that, you know... Geb and Nuta siblings. For the record, there is a lot of that going on. A lot of people in Egyptian... A lot of the Egyptian gods marry their own siblings, which is a bit, uh, weird. Then again, actually, it's not really that different from other mythologies now that I think about it. Anyway, number nine, Sekhmet, the goddess of war and healing. Leading and protecting the pharaohs during war, Sekhmet, the daughter of Ra, is depicted as a lioness and is known for her fierce character. She's also known as the Powerful One and is capable of destroying the enemies of her allies. She's depicted with a solar disk and a uraeus, an Egyptian cobra, which was associated with royalty and the divine. Sekhmet assisted the goddess Mart in the Judgment Hall of Osiris, which also gained her the reputation of Arbitrator. 
So, yeah, Sekhmet seems to be the goddess of a lot of different things. I think she's also meant to be the goddess of lions or something like that. But yeah, she's the kind of person that you do not want to mess with. Uh, don't try taking her on, because you'll lose. Um, actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, Egyptian mythology actually has multiple gods of war. Sekhmet is one of them. Some other gods of war include, like, Horus, Hathor, I think, Anur, Bast. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's actually a lot of gods of war in Egyptian mythology, as opposed to, uh, Greek mythology, where the god of war is basically one part Ares and one part Athena. Egyptian mythology has multiples of those. But yeah, Sekhmet's cool. Uh, and I feel like some of the people who uh, worshipped her might have partly been a little bit out of, like, you know, we want we want her on our side if we go to war. Actually, now that I've just... Funny that I mentioned it, number eight is Hathor, goddess of motherhood, uh, sometimes called the mistress of the west, Hathor welcomed the dead into the next life. Born of Ra, she exemplified motherhood and feminine love. The ancient Egyptians offered prayer to her as the goddess of music and dance. She is believed to provide a blessing as the helper of women during pregnancy and childbirth. Affectionate, humble, and kind to both the dead and living, she was also known as the Lady of Heaven, Earth, and the Underworld. Jeez, that is a lot of titles. <laughs> also, she ends up marrying... In some depictions of the of Egyptian mythology, she actually marries uh, Horus, uh, who I believe would be her, like, great-nephew, or something like that. So, um... Ooh. But yeah, jeez. How many titles can you have? She's like... So... She's the goddess of motherhood, mistress of the west, um, goddess of music and dance, uh, basically like a helper of women during pregnancy and childbirth, lady of heaven and lady of heaven, earth, and the underworld. That's like six to eight different titles right there. Yeah, she, she had a lot of stuff going on. I think she's always depicted as having, like, cow horns or bull horns. Um, and yeah, she was also, she's also been regarded as a very destructive goddess of war. Uh, one that apparently even Ra uh, had to take down at some point. Uh, but I'll get to that later. Number seven, we have Thoth, god of knowledge and wisdom. Guy that I brought up before, actually. Um... So, this guy, for the record, actually, this guy has an ibis head. He is part bin chicken. Is the arbus bin juice drinking drunks? Yeah, the arbus, their beaks are gross and long. Yeah, the arbus. You know what? I bet you that Thoth would absolutely despise how ibises have basically become regarded as being the worst birds. The worst birds ever. <laughs> like, even seagulls are considered less scabby than ibises. Now, ibises actually, I feel kind of bad for them, because it's like, they, they're waterfowl, but apparently, like, because of how humans have been, like, encroaching on their habitats so badly, they've actually kind of been pushed out of their homes and have resorted to... Um, that they've resorted to dumpster diving to survive. It's actually quite sad. Yeah. That'd be something to make an interesting story out of, though. Thoth working to try and, like, restore the Ibises to their former glory. Anyway, an arbitrator who settled the disputes between good and evil, Thoth is considered a self-created god, Basically, he made himself. That's in some versions of the story. In other versions, he is a son of Osiris. 
so, yeah. Master of both physical and divine laws, along with his counterpart Mart, he maintained the universe by his mastery of calculations. The ancient Egyptians acknowledged him as an author of science, philosophy, and magic. The Ibis or baboon-headed deity was considered to be the most learned god in ancient history, also regarded as the moon god for keeping count of time even when the sun wasn't there. Thoth is recognized as the one who created the 365-day calendar. So, yeah, he has, he has performed many great contributions to our society. 365-day calendar? Yeah, that was him. Science, philosophy, magic? Yeah, that was all him. Also, he was... He has a baboon... This is what I mean when I say that Egyptian mythology has a lot of different... Uh, interpretations. I didn't even know that some depictions have him as a baboon-headed deity. I always thought he was an ibis head. What the heck, man? Anyway, number six, Horus, god of vengeance. Uh, now the thing is, the thing with Horus is that if, uh, if I were to compare him, he would probably be pretty close to, uh, I kind of consider him as being, like, if you wanted to make, like, a story similar to Thor, uh, and, like, had it in Egyptian mythology, Horus is probably going to be the best chance of, uh, having a, you know, central character. He's very similar to Thor, I think. Uh, rather loosely, though. Um, so, Horus had a special position in ancient Egypt. The child of Osiris and Isis... I wonder if this video is gonna get... If this episode is gonna get taken down for using this word. But, the child of Osiris and Isis... For the record, when I say Isis, I am not talking about the terrorist group. I'm talking about the Egyptian goddess of, like, magic and motherhood and that. Anyway... He avenged his father's death and ruled Egypt, Horus did. According to myth, he's also considered the child of Zeb, of Geb and Nut. And this falcon-headed god with a crown of red and white was worshipped as the god of sky, war, protection, and light, and vengeance, as that subtitle had said. The Eye of Horus, or the, or the Wajat Eye, was personified as the goddess Wajat, and was popularly known as the Eye of Ra. It symbolized that everything was being watched from above, and it was something that was always associated with Horus. That's actually a, a cool thing that I always like about Horus. He looks sick. The dude's got a falcon head. That is awesome. That is sick. And yeah, uh, he also always has, uh, this crown, this double crown. So, in, an in ancient Egypt, this crown was a very special symbol. It represented the unification of Upper and Lower Egypt by basically combining the Upper Egyptian crown with the Lower Egyptian crown, showing that Egypt had unified. Recognize. And yeah, Horus is, uh, he's a cool dude. Also, um, would it, would it be a mythology story without referencing Rick Riordan? Uh, you may, you may know about Percy Jackson, but did you know of, uh, The Kane Chronicles, which is a book series written by him that is focused on Egyptian mythology? In that story, you got Carter and Sadie Kane. I think her name is Sadie, anyway. Wait, hold on. Let me just... Let me just check that one. Because I'm not 100% sure that the name is Sadie. Um... But the idea is that Egyptian, um... Oh, it is Sadie. Egyptian gods possess, like, humans, basically, as hosts. And, um... Kada ends up, uh having ends up becoming the host of Horus while Sadie becomes the host of Isis. So yeah. 
But I think Horus is probably the most well-known god of war in Egypt. He's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. Um, anyway, number five. Ra, god of the sun and radiance. The midday sun, Ra or Ray, is of great importance in Egyptian mythology, in Egyptian history. You know, because he represented the sun, and um, for most ancient civilizations, uh, you know, uh, the sun was considered to be basically like the best thing in the world, because it did so much. The god of the sun, Ra, has a sun disk around his head and is believed to have created the world. Every sunrise and sunset was seen as a process of renewal. Portrayed as a falcon-headed god, he and Horus shared an association which led him to be known as the Horus of the Horizon. Many ancient Egyptian gods were merged with Ra, and many were created by him, such as rival gods like Ptah, Isis, and Apep. Now, it's mentioned that Ra is the creation god, uh, and is believed to have created the universe. The thing is, the thing is, there are a lot of different creator gods in Egyptian mythology. Ra's not the only one. Like, there's Ra, there's Atum, there's Amun, there's Aten, there's Nun, there's Neith, there's Knum, there's Ptah, ah, and that's just the one I, the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, but Ra's my favorite. Ra's my favorite out of those creation gods. I like his aesthetic. I like his aesthetic quite a bit because he's all about the sun and the light and that photosynthesis. Although, I'm surprised that the god of the sun, of all things, was, um, is only number five on most worshipped. Like, so, here's the thing, alright, you know Tutankhamun? Tutankhamun's father, Akhenaten, was a pretty controversial figure, because he was actually one of those, uh, guys, one of the pharaohs, that tried to turn Egypt into a, uh, monotheistic... Uh, culture, which basically means that they only believe in one god. Uh, like, the Abrahamic religions are monotheistic, but, like, Hinduism, for example, is polytheistic, which is when you believe in multiple gods. Um, yeah, after thousands of years of Egypt being a polytheistic nation, Akhenaten was like, nah, 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 boys, there's only one god. And that one god, he decided to make a sun god. So, even he was like, nah, nah, we still need... He was like, hey, look, none of the... All these gods that we've been worshipping for ages, yeah, nah, they're not real. But that sun... But sun god? Yeah, we still have a sun god. Like, even he saw the... How important a sun god was to their culture. And yet, this dude's only fifth? Anyway, number four, Anubis, the divine embalmer, and probably the one that you guys are going to recognize the most. Your boy's got a jackal head. Uh, before Osiris took over, Anubis patrolled the underworld. Anubis was a psychopomp, or deity who assists in the afterlife, and was the offspring of Ra and Nephthys. In some versions... In other versions, he is the son of Set and Nephthys. Set, who was the who was Osiris's brother, the god of evil, the Egyptian equivalent of Loki, and the guy who killed Osiris, which made him into the king of underworld in the first place. Anyway, Anubis was known for mummifying the dead and guiding their souls towards the afterlife. His skin was black, symbolizing the Dark Nile deposits, which made the land so fertile. With the head of a jackal and the body of a man, Anubis also stood for Renaissance and the staining of dead bodies after the embalming process. So, yeah, he was always very heavily involved in the afterlife process. And when Set killed Osiris... Uh, he scattered all of his body parts all across the world, 
Isis went off on a personal mission to find all of those pieces, and Anubis helped her. So yeah, he's a real, he's a real G. He's a real, he's a real nephew. He's a good nephew. Anyway, number three, as I had uh, mentioned before, Osiris, the king of the living. Also, interesting note, um, the picture of Osiris that these guys have chosen for this article is the Osiris in Marvel Comics. Which, by the way, yes, Marvel does have an Egyptian pantheon, but they are very, very minor. As far as I know, they've never actually been involved in any uh, huge affairs that go on in the Marvel Universe. Marvel tends to focus more on Greek and Norse. But anyway, Osiris, the king of the living, Considered the oldest child of the Earth God, Zeb, and Geb, the name is Geb. You even call him Geb earlier on in your, in your list. Why are you calling him Zeb here? Anyway, he's the oldest child of the Earth God, Zeb, and the Sky Goddess, Nut. Wait, I called him Zeb again. It's Geb! Osiris was worshipped as the god of the afterlife, as the ancient Egyptians believed there was life after death. Like most religions. Often portrayed with green skin, Osiris was the god of vegetation, which indicated renewal and growth, and was thought to be responsible for the fertile flooding and vegetation around the banks of the Nile. Osiris married his own sister Isis, cool, and was murdered by his brother Seth, cool. Despite being murdered by his own brother, Osiris was brought back to life by the magic of Isis to conceive a child. Horus is the son of Osiris and Isis, who avenged his father's death in various different ways, depending on your interpretation, and arose as a new pharaoh of Egypt, while Osiris became the god of the underworld and assisted in the afterlife of the pharaohs and the people. So yeah, always, always a cool dude. And he definitely got a bit of a rotten end of the stick because his brother was a dick. <laughs> I didn't even mean for that to rhyme. Anyway, number two. Uh, Mut, the mother goddess. Mut means mother in Egyptian. And Mut is a primal deity who wears two crowns on her head, each representing upper and lower Egypt. I believe if I'm thinking of the right one, it's the same one that Horus is always depicted as wearing. Also titled, She Who Gives Birth But Was Herself Not Born of Any... Mut is represented as a vulture in hieroglyphs. She is variously integrated with other deities and is often portrayed as a cat, cobra, cow, and even a lioness. The mother of Khonshu, Mut and her different associations was worshipped by numerous different pharaohs. So I mostly know Mut as, um, yeah, being the mother of Khonshu, who is the god of the moon and is uh, well known as being the source of Moon Knight's powers. It always seems to come back to Marvel somehow. Interesting. Um, yeah, and I believe when people say that uh, she's the mother of Khonshu, I believe they that the father is Amun, who is uh, another creation god, another sky father, you know, you know how it be. Anyway, finally, we have number one here, Amun-Ra, the Hidden One. As Zeus was to the Greeks, the Egyptian god Amun-Ra, or Amun, was considered the king of the gods and goddesses. Again, king of the god and goddesses, sometimes Ra was the one that fit that role. He became Amun-Ra after being amalgamated with the sun god Ra. He was thought to be the father of the pharaohs, and his female counterpart, Amunet, Amunet, was called the female hidden one. Forming the Theban triad, Amun and Mut, along with their son Khonshu, the moon god, were worshipped throughout ancient Egypt. Amun was not only worshipped in Egypt, but outside Egypt as well. And he was... actually, there was kind of... Before Akhenaten came along, they were kind of veering towards a little bit of monotheism 
anyway, with Amun-Ra's being, like, the only really important god. And then you get, like, other people like Rey Horakte, Horakte, who was, like, a combination of Ra and Horus, but... Yeah, it's all very complicated, but yeah, Amun-Ra was a very big deal. You get the two gods who are considered to be kin of the gods, and then combine the two in this big fusion. It's, uh, it's quite interesting. It's quite interesting, if I do say so myself. And then, obviously, you know, then Akhenaten comes along, and it's just like, hey, I like your, what you guys are doing here. I'm gonna make a monotheistic religion of my own. And everyone else was just like, no. And so then they started getting his son to turn against him, and then they, you know, got him to marry his cousin or his sister or whatever, and then Tutankhamun died young because he had so many different diseases because he was the product of Wincest, which was not very winning for him. So that's always good to know. Anyway, so, what do I think of this, uh, of this lineup? What do I think of it? It sucks. It's terrible. It is atrocious. It's disgusting. I can't stand it. And so what am I going to do here? I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make my own one. I'm going to make my own list. And it's going to be the best list you've ever dang diddly ding dong seen. So, here's my list of the top ten gods of Egypt, alright? Let's start with number 10, alright? Number 10, we've got Thoth, the bin chicken head himself who likes to write. The one that I've mentioned before, and the guy who was, uh, wait, what rank was he on this list again? He was, uh, he was number 7. Okay, so I've put him lower on the list, but I felt it wouldn't be fair to not include him on the list at all. So he's number 10. Yeah, he's the god of moon, he's the god of reckoning, of learning, and of writing. He was held to be the inventor of writing. He invented writing. He was the creator of languages, the scribe, interpreter, and advisor of the gods, and the representative of the sun god Ra. Yeah, in case you didn't notice, Egyptian gods are very, very busy boys that have a lot going on. They do a lot of stuff. So, yeah, this dude created languages. He invented writing. He was a smart boy. He... <laughs> I'm s I say this while I'm looking at a picture of his ibis head. Um... Yeah. You gotta, you gotta appreciate him for everything he's did. I salute you, Thoth, for everything that you have done. He is very good. Anyway, number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. We have Bast, who wasn't actually anywhere on this list at all. Uh, Bast is, uh, well, Bast is known as the Egyptian goddess of protection and cats. Mostly known as the goddess of cats. So, I know... Several people who would uh, be huge fans of this girl. Uh, she was the warrior daughter and defender of Ra, who sent her to fight his archenemy, Apep. As protectress, she was seen as defender of the pharaoh, after Sekhmet, the lioness, and consequently the chief god Ra. So, she was a goddess of war, and also a goddess of protection, and cats. And about this Apep dude... So here's the thing, alright? Ra, god of the sun, he's in a boat, he's in a boat, and he's traveling across the world and across the underworld. That is his role as the sun god, to be the sun, right? However, the problem is he has a lot of different issues to deal with. The biggest problem that he deals with is a pep, also known as Apophis. I'm gonna call him Apophis from now on because honestly, I reckon Apophis is a much more badass name than a pep. Um, Apophis is a giant freaking snake and is known as the god of chaos. He's also the primary antagonist of the Cain Chronicles, 
The dude that even set the god of evil actually decided to help, you know, his family against because, sure, he's the god of evil, but evil isn't as bad as chaos. So yeah, Apophis is a huge deal. And he would always try to kill Ra and swallow the sun. And so Ra needed a lot of protection. And one, I think his best protection was Bast. The thing is that Bast, without fail, would kill Apophis every night in order to protect Ra. She is quite the badass. And that's why I've decided to put her at number 9 on the list. Not because she loves cats. Not because she's a cat goddess. Which actually brings me to a question. Is there an Egyptian god of dogs? Oh, there is! It's Anubis, kind of-ish. <laughs> I mean, yeah, everybody is saying that Anubis is, like, the closest thing, so... There's that. Anyway, number eight, we have Bez. Now, this is a guy that probably isn't super well known. But uh, Bez is like this, uh, this dwarf. Um, he's worshipped as a protector of households, and in particular of mothers, children, and, tide and childbirth. Bez later came to be regarded as the defender of everything good and the enemy of all that's bad. Um, he's really cute. If you ever see, like, pictures of him, Bez is, like, this really cute, like, adorable dwarf dude. And he marries, um, he marries this hippo goddess. And they're such a cute couple together. He's so cute. And also, he's a very noble individual. He's, you know, like I said, he's the, basically the protector of everything good. He's a great dude. He's a very solid stand-up dude. I love him. I love Bez. He's great. He's very cute, and he's very noble, and that, honestly, is enough for me to give him number eight. Um, and it was, uh, it was a real crime that he wasn't in the top ten at all. So number seven, we have Osiris, another guy who I'm putting on a lower list, on a lower ranking than, uh, he was in the original thing. Anubis. God of the dead and God of the resurrection into eternal life, the ruler, protector, and judge of the deceased. Honestly, Osiris kind of got like a. I mean, a lot of a lot of things were went pretty bad for him. Like everything was fine for him at first. He was the king of Egypt. He was the pharaoh. He ruled Egypt, all of Egypt most powerful individual in the in Egypt everybody loved him as well he was a very benevolent leader and everybody loved him except for Set the god of evil and his brother he was a real dick to him he decided to murder his own brother in order to become pharaoh and then Isis went ahead brought him back to life uh, so they could have a child, but Osiris had to go down into the underworld. Rule the underworld. He could no longer really be part of the living anymore. It was really sad. It was a really sad time. And I really feel for Osiris. Like, you know, as far as I have heard, he, he ends up... Like, he's still a very benevolent leader. He doesn't take out his anger on anybody. Like, I know that I'd said Hades was like, uh the one Greek god who wasn't a total dick, but, like, uh, you know, there are some, there are some things in the mythologies where he does things where he's kind of a dick. Uh, still not as bad as, like, any of his brothers and most of the other gods, uh, but Osiris never did anything wrong. He didn't, never did anything bad. He was always really good. Yeah. I feel bad for him. Anyway, number six, we have Anubis. Anubis, as I said before, uh, Egyptian god of the dead, uh, the great embalmer, 
always has been involved in the afterlife in general, and I believe was uh, a villain in the Gods of Egypt movie, uh, whatever that whatever that one was called. I don't really know. Um, yeah. So I'm putting Anubis at number six when the original list had him at number four. Um, honestly, Anubis has a really cool appearance. He, again, is extremely well recognized. And he definitely plays a huge role in um, the afterlife, which is always very interesting. And... Again, he's also one of the most consistently portrayed Egyptian gods. He has basically always been a huge part of Egyptian mythology. And he's the god of dogs, or at least the closest thing there is to them. Because, yeah. Oh, also, uh, a fun fact. So, um, about, uh, about cat. Alright, um, so, the Egyptian, uh, word, ah, uh, where is it? Where is it? There's, um, so, okay. In ancient Egypt, alright, you know how everyone knows the Egyptians worshipped cats and all that. Um, the ancient Egyptians, their word for cat was mew. Um, which was basically what they regarded as the sound that they made. Which means they pulled a Pokemon and basically just named the animal after what they say. They were just wandering around the place, they found a cat, and they were just like, Hey, what are you? And the cat's just like, Meow. And then they were like, okay, fair enough. And then they were like, alright, everybody, listen up, this is a Mew. And then this one here, this one is a Mew too, alright? The... I mean, I had to, I had to make the Pokemon reference somehow, you know? That was just required. But anyway, moving on, number five, Horus. Horus, definitely, like, the main character of, uh, Egyptian mythology. Ah, uh, let's see how many titles Google gives this dude, alright? Horus, uh, Sky God. That's actually all they say. <laughs> what the heck? Come on, Google, stop making me look like an idiot. Alright, he's also regarded as the god of sky, protector of Egypt in general, the god of vengeance, the god of war, the god of light. Um, very similar to Ra as far as depictions. In fact, the only difference between Horus and Ra as far as how they look is uh, Horus has a crown on his head while Ra has a sun on his head. So yeah. Um, yeah, Horus, he's basically like Simba of Egyptian mythology. He, he rose up after, he rose up against his uncle who had killed his father, overthrew him, and became the new pharaoh. And then the idea is that after Horus turned, uh, stepped down from his role as pharaoh, he gave the title of pharaoh to the first document, to the first... <gasps> Pharaoh in history, uh, who was, uh, who was, um, Nama. Apparently, the first Pharaoh of Egypt was named Nama. And the last one was Cleopatra, who, by the way, um, actually lived closer to like, her birth was actually, it came closer to the, uh, the development of the first McDonald's than it is to the pyramids. She lived closer to McDonald's than the pyramids. Also, she was actually Greek, not Egyptian. Um, but yeah, Horace is a very admirable individual, but you know who 
is an even more admirable individual, Isis the goddess, far out. <laughs> I just looked up I just looked up the name Isis on Google and it just came up with the friggin' terrorist group. Ugh, get out of here, no one likes you. Anyway, Isis was the ancient Egyptian goddess of fertility and also known as the goddess of motherhood, magic, death, healing, and rebirth. Uh, yeah, for a while she would, she was actually the queen of Egypt, ruling alongside uh, her husband Osiris. After Osiris was killed, Isis went on an epic journey to say to gather all of Osiris's pieces and bring him back to life. Obviously with the help of her sister Nephthys and her uh, nephew Anubis. Um, also, I think there was actually a story where she actually find she forces Ra to reveal uh, her his true name. And I think the deal is like, in ancient Egypt, if you can discover somebody's true name, uh, you basically have power over them because names are a very powerful thing. So, very cool individual as well. She's very, she's very strong-willed. She's very principled. She's admirable, and she's kind of badass as well. So, yeah, good solid combination here. Um, number three. Another individual that wasn't actually mentioned in that list, Ptah. Um, he is the, he's another creator god and the maker of things, a patron of craftsmen, especially sculptors. Uh, the Greeks identified Ptah with Hephaestus, uh, or the Romans, uh, Vulcan. But yeah, Ptah is like, he's basically the closest thing to a god of art. He's, like I said, the maker of things, a patron of craftsmen, and is probably the closest thing to a god of art, as the Egyptians would get. And that's pretty much the main reason why he is number three on the list, because, you know, gods of art always have to be super high up because of their impact on culture. Because what is culture if not art? You know? Anyway. Number two. At number two we have Mart. Yes, you might have thought that Mart was just a feather, but nah. Mart is the goddess of harmony, justice, and truth. Uh, and yeah. She had an invaluable role in the ceremony of the weighing of the heart. But yeah, she's harmony, justice, and truth all combined together. She is... She is a very fundamental force and, you know, is kind of... She kind of represents morality as a whole. And, uh... Y'all know how I feel about morality! I've done, like, a whole series based on the morality of musicals. Which, by the way, has been, uh... Yeah, a bit of a dry spell, but, you know... I'll get back to it eventually. Yeah, the morality... Actually, you know what? My morality of musicals series has actually been... Kind of a combination of, uh... What Mart and Patar both... Kind of represent. And what they are the gods and goddesses of. So that's actually a cool connection that I've only just realized. Also, Morality of Musicals is a pretty catchy title that I only just came up with. I am proud of myself for that. Wow, boy. Wow. Alliteration in his sleep. Anyway, so, number one. The number one... Egyptian god in history is a perfectly rhythmed drum beat. It is Ra! And uh, when I looked up, well, actually, first of all, 
I'm just going to say what Ra is the god of. Um, the sun. He's the god of the sun, order, kings, and the sky, apparently. And was believed to rule in all parts of the created world. The sky, the earth, and the underworld. Also, when I looked up Ra on Google, I got sent to this thing called uh, rheumatoid arthritis. That is not what I meant. That is not what I was talking about. But yeah, Ra has always been my favourite Egyptian goddess. The god of the sun is always a very appealing thing for me. It's always been very cool to have a god of the sun. And the fact that he's kind of like the creator god, or is like the sky father of Egyptian mythology, kind of like how Zeus and Odin are with their... Um with their mythologies, but Ra is a much more benevolent god. He doesn't actually, from memory, he doesn't actually really do too much other than maintain the integrity of the sun, so he kind of makes sure that all life on Earth doesn't die, which is a very admirable trait. I think he's also usually depicted as being the most powerful god in Egyptian mythology, but yeah, I reckon Egyptian mythology, there's a lot of, a lot of untapped potential for storytelling here. And it is, a uh, untapped potential that I seek to remedy. Sometime. Eventually. But yeah, anyway, that concludes my far, far out 51 minutes, what the heck? Wasn't the last one like 34 minutes or something like that? Okay. Well, anyway, that concludes my video. My... Uh, I probably need to get into the habit of saying episodes. Episodes, because these aren't really visual mediums. Uh, that includes my episode on the top 10 Egyptian gods. I hope you all enjoyed. I hope you all were came out of this a little bit more informed on Egyptian mythology. Uh, I'm, I want to talk... Myth I want to talk mythology with guests. I I'm going to get guests on here at some point. At some point. It will happen. I swear. Because <laughs> I want that. It'd be cool. It'd be real cool. But anyway, yeah, no. Glad that I got to talk about uh, probably my favorite type of mythology, actually. Probably because they're very underrated. I'm quite a hipster that way. But anyway, I will see you guys actually probably sometime sooner than next week because I've actually, like, the thing is, where I am right now, we've kind of been put into lockdown again. So I feel like I could take this opportunity to make, like, extra episodes over this time to keep people entertained. So... Yeah, I might wanna, I might wanna do something about that, but, but, regardless, I hope you guys enjoyed, and I will see you guys, whenever I make it, in the next episode. Until then, have a good one!